warriors, workers and worshippers. Notes on the journeyings of the Ark of God from Sinai to Zion. By Theophilus Ruse. Worship, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Warfare, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Work, 1 Corinthians 15 verse. London, C.A. Hammond, 3 and 4 London House Yard, Paternoster Row, E.C. 4. 1925. Made and printed in Great Britain at the Mayflower Press, Plymouth. William Brendan and Son, Limited. Forward. That the Ark of the Testimony was a special type of the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as a symbol of the presence of God with his people Israel. Will be no new thought to the majority of readers. But the purpose of this book is to glean some profitable lessons for the Christian's pathway, from the history of the various stages in the journeyings of the Israelites with the Ark in their midst. The line taken, with the scriptures for our textbook, was suggested by the following beautiful paragraph in Mr. J. G. Bellet's well-known book. The Son of God, a mere journeying from Egypt to Canaan would not have constituted true pilgrimage. In order to make that journey, the journey of God's Israel, the ark must be in their company, borne by a people ransomed by blood out of Egypt. Ellipsis. This was the business of Israel in the desert. They had to conduct the ark, to accompany it, to guard and to hallow it. They might betray their weakness, and incur chastening and discipline in many a way, and on many an occasion. But if the direct business were given up all was gone. With these thoughts before us we commence our agreeable task. In the hope that through his grace many of the children of God may be encouraged in their path of discipleship, their work of faith and labor of love. T. Ruse. Contents the Ark and the Mercy Seat, Exodus chapter 25 verses 10 and 22. The first journey, Numbers 10 verses 33 and 36. The Ark in the Jordan, Joshua chapter 4. The Ark before Jericho, jo The Ark at Mount Abal, Joshua chapter 8 verses 30 and 35. The Ark in Shiloh, Joshua chapter 18, etc. The Ark in battle and in captivity, 1 Samuel 4 to 6. From Ekron to Beth Shemesh, 1 Samuel 6 verse 18. To Kirjath Jerim and the house of Obdedom, 2 Samuel 6. To Mount Zion and the Temple, 2 Chronicles 5, etc. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Chapter 1. The Ark and the Mercy Seat. Exodus chapter 25 verses 10 to 22. With the details of the construction and the materials of the Ark, most of our readers are probably familiar. Its importance as the great central feature of the tabernacle in the wilderness, as well as its being the sign of the presence of God dwelling in the midst of a people on the earth. Together with its typical teachings, must first command our attention. How often have we dwelt with thankful hearts on the blessed fact that the desire for a dwelling place with men upon the earth, emanated from God himself. It was not the desire of the heart of man, either in Israel, or outside them. In patriarchal times God, visited the earth, in divers' manners, but now he makes known his purpose to dwell among his chosen people. Blessed foretaste of that time yet to come when, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. And be the God. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. Accordingly we hear the voice of God speaking to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus chapter 25 verses 2 to 4. Etc. Now it is clear that the people to be honored with this distinction must be a redeemed people, or it were impossible for a God of holiness and righteousness to be in their midst. And what other people but Israel answered to this requirement? 
sheltered from just and deserved judgment on account of their sins, and liberated from the bondage of Egypt, brought also through the Red Sea and delivered from Pharaoh's power. They are now to be favored with the highest distinction ever conferred upon a people on the earth. Nor was it left to man to discover or devise what was suitable for the divine presence, but Moses is called up to God to the mount, to receive there not only definite instructions, but see the very pattern of what was to be made. It was to be patterns of things in the heavens, and therefore, according to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24, the earthly tabernacle was not only typical of a spiritual house, but antitypical of the true tabernacle which God pitched, and not man. It is therefore clear that no man, however gifted, could have devised the structure that was to be raised up, unless taught as was Moses, who was shown on the mount the heavenly tabernacle, to which the earthly one was to correspond. In like manner it is beautiful to see this same grace and love of the heart of God, presented in the Gospel of our day. And to hear the Lord Jesus, the one who is the antitype of the ark, and all the holy vessels of the sanctuary, saying in his day upon the earth, the Father seeks such to worship him. And they that worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4 verse 23 and 24. We shall see, by his gracious help, how the ark in all its parts, as well as all that composed the tabernacle, speak of that blessed person and his atoning work, with a voice that cannot but be heard where there is an ear to hear and bows our hearts in worship and praise. Turning now to God's instructions concerning, the ark, in Exodus chapter 25, we are at once struck with the fact that he begins with the making of the various pieces of the furniture of the tabernacle, before giving any details of the structure that is to hold them. The ark comes first as the great central object, the immediate sign of his presence, around which all the other pieces are grouped, so to speak, and from which they take their significance in the great question of man's approach to God. In like manner Christ is the one by whom, and in whom, God comes out to bless man, and Christ is the way, by which man goes into the presence of God, to bless and praise him. As made of wood, shittim or acacia wood, and overlaid with gold, the ark undoubtedly speaks of the Lord Jesus as one who in his own blessed person was both God and man. And wherever we find these two materials combined in the holy vessels of the tabernacle, they present to us the adorable person of our blessed Lord, for he who was God from all eternity became a man in order to die upon the cross for us. There was no appearance of the wood, all that was seen was gold, and the cover, called the mercy seat, was pure gold, with a cherubim at each end, made or beaten out of the same piece of gold. When Israel set forth on their wilderness journey the ark was first covered with the veil, that is Christ himself with the veil of his humanity, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 20, then came the badger's skins and outside the cloth of blue, typical of Christ the heavenly man passing through this world. Numbers chapter 4 verse 5 and 6. The two cherubims stood with outstretched wings touching each other, and their faces toward the mercy seat. On the mercy seat the blood of the sin offering was sprinkled by the high priest on the day of atonement, speaking without doubt of the atoning death of the Lord Jesus, the propitiation for our sins. Of this Romans chapter 3 verse 25 speaks most clearly. Within the ark were placed the two tables of stone on which the law was written by the finger of God, and there can be no question as to this typifying clearly the one who said, Thy law is within my heart. To him also belongs the administration of divine judgment which is exhibited in the cherubim overshadowing the mercy seat, the throne of God. Exodus chapter 25 verse 22, Numbers chapter 7 verse 89.
the ark was within the veil, the only object in that most holy sanctuary with the cloud of glory, the token of Jehovah's presence, shining thereon, its only light. It was from between these cherubims that God delivered to Moses, in audible voice, the character and order of every sacrifice, as also the details of every act of the priesthood, which had already been sanctified, and consecrated to the sacred office of approach to God. In perfect keeping with all this, nearly the entire contents of the book of Leviticus were dictated to Moses from between the cherubim. And the name of the book in the Hebrew Bible is taken from its first few words, and he called, Hebrew, V-A-Yit Ra. The title of Leviticus, in our English Bibles, as is well known, is taken from the Septuagint, and it contains a larger proportion of the actual words of God, as distinct from history or narrative, than any other book in the Bible. From between the cherubim, too, divine government was administered, but mingled with grace and forbearance, that alone made it possible for a holy God to be in the midst of such a people and they not be consumed. But the ark is to accompany the people in their journey to the land of their inheritance, consequently it was to be made with four rings of gold, into which staves overlaid with gold were put. That it may be borne by God's explicit direction upon the shoulders of the Kohathites. Before we pass on to the first stage of the said journey we would conclude this chapter with a quotation from an article written by a servant of God some fifty years ago that will well repay repetition. In conclusion, and as a summary, I judge that the ark of pure gold is beautifully embodied by the express image and glory of the sun, as in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. And that the shittim wood of the ark is as perfectly represented by his manhood as the only begotten son in verses 5 and 6. Moreover. The body prepared for him, and in which he came to do the will of God, was the embodiment of the two tables of the covenant which the ark contained, but which were in like manner taken out and magnified in himself, who said, Yea, thy law is within my heart. What, too, are the central chapters of the epistle touching the priest in heaven? But the transfer of Aaron's rod that budded, and, the golden censer, out of the typical ark, into their own proper place in the presence of God for us. Again, what is the golden pot that had manna, but the person, and words, and works and ways of Jesus below, and of which this precious epistle is the exposition? So likewise, as to the tabernacle itself, with Eliezer and Shiloh, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread? What is Paul uncovering to his beloved Hebrews in this epistle but the things themselves in the great antitype, who is passing before them in the glory of his person? J. E. Batten. 1870. Thou art the everlasting word, the Father's only Son, God manifest, God seen and heard, the heaven's beloved one. Worthy, O Lamb of God, art thou, that every knee to thee should bow.